One of the promises that comes with the release of every new tech product or software, whether explicit or implicit, is that technology will help you cut down on your stuff. All your files, your notes, your photos and videos can be stored on your phone, on the cloud, and you won't have to worry about mess or clutter anymore. Unsurprisingly, that not always is the case, and organization remains an issue that many of us struggle with. So we have decided to make it the subject of this week's Please Explain. Amanda Sullivan has been a professional organizer for nearly 20 years, and she runs the coaching business The Perfect Daughter. Her book, Organized Enough, The Anti-Perfectionist's Guide to Getting and Staying Organized, is published by DeCapo Press. I'm very pleased it has brought her to our show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we invite our audience, so as during these Please Explain segments, to join in on the conversation. If you have any questions or worries about clutter in your home or just tips and tricks that you want to share, give us a call at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at wmic.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. So, uh, Amanda, there seems to be contradictory notions about clutter. Some see it as a sign of laziness, and others see it, uh, note that, that geniuses and creatives are often very messy people. So is disorganization always a problem? I think that disorganization is a problem if it gets in the way, because a lot of people, a lot of my clients are geniuses, in my opinion. They're very smart, they're very creative, but then they pay late fees or they buy duplicates because they can't find what they need. So I want to say it's okay to have enough clutter to keep your juices flowing and not spend your whole life searching for that perfect, real simple apartment, but still be able to pay the bills on time. The messy desk. The messy desk is, I can't stand it, <laughs> but I'm not a creative genius, but I want people to be able to find what they need when they need it. So it's okay to have things on top, but they need to be in an orderly way. Why did you call your book Organized Enough? Shouldn't the goal be to be completely organized? No, because then it becomes a fetish. I'm not into, you know, this minimalist, everything has to be a clean white surface and all of that. It's not me and it's not most people. And it's unrealistic and it makes people feel bad about themselves. So I think you just want to be organized enough to get to do the things you want to do. And can it even backfire at times to be too organized? Oh, absolutely. First of all, people create really complicated systems and then the systems become too overwhelming because they have a three entry system for each receipt and that's just silly just you know keep them in one file and then you go through them at tax time whatever it doesn't have to be so complicated you reference the idea of wabi-sabi for those of us who have not are not familiar with that what is it that is the idea of the beauty of imperfection which i love because it's a Japanese term, and it's used in art, and it's sort of about finding, you know, the beauty in everyday objects, and, and I find that. I think that there's more beauty in a home where, you know, there's a Lego castle in the living room because there's actually kids who are actually playing there than in a perfectly stagnant apartment where it's been fixed to perfection and then nobody can go in. What do you think of Marie Kondo's uh ideas about organizing. Well, I thought her book was lovely in a sort of inspirational way, but honestly, I couldn't do it, and certainly most of my clients couldn't do it. And I like to think of myself as the been-around-the-block organizer. So I have kids, you know, does your car seat bring your joy? No, my car seat doesn't bring me joy, but if you don't have the car seat, you could be in for a lot of sadness and despair. So I think it's a little unrealistic, but it's a great, you know, spark joy is great for jewelry, but not necessarily for 
equipment. It has become very popular. It is. It is. Do you think that people are sometimes attracted to advice that isn't always realistic? Absolutely, because her her book really appeals to that all or nothing part. That I mean, I can totally understand that. You know, I'm just going to throw it all out and I'm going to live on a lettuce leaf in a white box. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, but it's a little much for so, reality. So how do you go from helping people clean their space to helping them develop habits of organization? Isn't that second part the real key to right. all of this? So one thing I learned in my business is I would help people and we'd get the place looking really great or organized enough. And then I'd come back and it would have reverted. So then I began to think, okay, how do I get them to stop? And a lot of it's about habits of acquiring. You know, okay, we winnowed down the wardrobe so it fit, but then they went out and they bought more. So what do they need to do? You know, do they need to walk down a different street so they don't pass that store they have a weakness for? Or do they need to call me? I mean, I've literally told clients, call me. Don't, you know, when next time you're in a clothing store, call me. So you really have to work on each person, what's, what's their weakness? Uh, is it a matter of just simply making, uh, keeping things organized part of our regular routine? Right. So the whole second half of the book is about how to develop habits, which I sort of base on some of these, um, this new science that's like in the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg and a couple other books that have come out recently. So the idea that you really need to spend 30 to 90 days to develop a new habit. So whether that's for you, paper spending 10 minutes a night on paper to keep up, or whether for somebody else it's about not shopping to develop those habits. Now, Charles Duhigg and Marie Kondo have both been guests on our show, but if you saw my desk, you'd still wonder whether I paid any attention. <laughs> well, yeah, no. There are other factors, but, aren't but there? Now I've been a guest on your show, so now we'll see you know, if you can apply it. My guest is Amanda Sullivan. Her book is... Uh, Organized Enough, The Anti-Perfectionist Guide to Getting and Staying Organized, published by DeCapo Press. This is WMYC, WMYC.org. And we invite your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WMYC.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. And Jim from Long Island, uh, you're on the air. Oh, thank you so much, Leonard, for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, my issues are twofold. Um, I think she just mentioned paper, and I'm. Uh, we've got a big paper issue in my house. Um, we keep coming up with ways to address it, and it keeps getting out of hand again and again and again. We, you know, we bought like these nice little boxes that are at the front door. So the idea was we're going to go through everything right when we walk in the front door, and you know, sort it out and throw away what we don't need. And then after a couple of months, it's like stuff that you do need. You're putting it in the little boxes, and then the boxes start to look a little bit crazy, and now it's, like, overflowing. And that's happened in multiple places in our house. And so there's, like, a bunch of different places in our house that have, like, little stashes of paper that are, like, kind of important. You don't want to just toss because they, you know, have bills or important records. But at the same time, it's just it, it, it continues to get out of hand over and over again. And the other issue for us is we have kids, three kids. Um, and clothes, the kids' clothes are kind of like all. Well, over well the place. Let, let me start with the paper first, okay? <laughs> yeah. and we get to the clothes in a moment. Yeah, it was thought once we started going more and more digital that paper wouldn't be a problem. Amanda, why does it remain a problem? Well, paper is still a problem because it comes in, and sometimes people say to me, "Well, I'm just going to scan it all," and. Sometimes that makes sense, but a lot of times it doesn't because it almost takes longer to open a digital file and see if you need something, unless you're really labeling very perfectly so that you can just throw out the whole file at the end of the year or whenever it 
it becomes extinct. But uh, one thing I... I tell people is every piece of paper that comes into your house has to have a pathway. It comes in and it's going to stay a week if it's about the school fair next week or seven years if it's a tax document that you're going to save for seven years. So how are, where are you going to put it that at the end of that period it's going to go? So if you have places all over the house, I don't really like that. I say you should have one place or maybe if you know there are certain papers that you deal with and certain papers that your wife deal with, there's two places. You each have a spot. But everything's got to come in and everything's going to go out. The other question is, can you stop some stuff at the pass? Can you call catalogs and stop them from coming so that you don't have to spend time going through all the junk to get to the important stuff? And when are you doing the important stuff? Have you not carved that time out of your calendar? Because it sounds like you're doing a good job opening the mail, but not following <laughs> through on the, the other stuff that has to be done, whether it's camp forms or insurance or whatever it is. Uh, so, you know, you have to really block out that time. And it sounds petty. Well, it's just a little thing. But if you aren't doing it, it's not so petty. So you have to find that time and schedule it almost. And Jim, now you want to talk about clothes? Will the kids throw their well, clothes all over the house? <laughs> well, well, I'll take the advice of the paper. But yeah. yeah, the clothes is another issue for us. We have all of our stuff in our kids' room. Um, we've got two five-year-olds, you know, twins, and then a four-month-old daughter. And so we're trying to go through everything and keep what we want to keep for our daughter and then throw out all the stuff or donate all the stuff for my son. Um, but, you know, I find I sit every weekend and try to put everything away and, and fold it and neatly put it in the drawers. We've got drawers for my daughter and drawers for my son. Um, you know, and the kids go in them and kind of wreck them. And when you're just trying to get everybody dressed in the morning, you, you, you don't really have time to go back through it. And by every week or every couple of weeks, it just looks like a uh, minefield went off in their bedroom. You know, we just kind of stuff everything in there to keep it around. But it's, it's, it's keeping up with it, I guess. And then, of course, you have the added problem of having children whose sizes are going to constantly change. Right. Uh, as they right. grow, they're going to grow out of clothes. He mentioned, uh, Amanda, uh, donating. Is it better to throw out or to donate? Because uh, donating takes a lot more time. Well, I'm all for donating, and I'm also all for hand-me-downs. And you've come to the right place because I have a 17-year-old and 11-year-old twin, so I know exactly where you are. Uh, you so, have two sets of twins? No, I have a 17-year-old oh. and then an 11-year-old oh. twin. So, But I have three kids and I have twins. So I, I totally And I totally get the hand-me-down thing. And one thing I suggest is to get... And I rarely ever recommend people buy storage stuff, but get five of those uh, drawers because there's five years between your kids' ages and label them and keep one drawer of hand-me-downs from each year and just don't don't save more than that. It's enough. And also your kids probably have too many clothes. And I hate to hear that you're using your Saturdays when you could be, you know, relaxing, organizing. This is why I want you to be more, have good, better habits during the week. So probably you have too many clothes. Um, so I'd winnow and weed and then, you know, have these discreet, this is how much hand-me-downs I'm saving and no more. And then definitely take some trips to the Salvation Army. But also, again, are you acquiring too much? Now, you write the container store is not the answer, and you just said that perhaps you do need some storage space. Well, people think, yeah, I go all the time to clients, and they say, well, I tried to do it on my own, and I went to the container store, and I got this, this, that. This, this, and that are now all full of disorganized things. So the container store is great because I know once I've organized with somebody and we've thrown out a bunch and we've organized what's left, and now we need to contain it, and I say, okay, what we need is a deep box that's going to fit on this shelf that is exactly this size. I can go to the container store and I can find exactly that. But that's the last step, not the first. When people ask, where do I start, what's your advice? Throwing out. I mean, you know, you have to throw out first, but also I say, 
you know, if I go to your house and I look all over and you show me the two areas that are worse, I might say, let's start at the top of the desk because we can make a big visual impact and that'll give you encouragement. And then as you go, you're going to realize, oh, there's a whole lot of old stuff in my file cabinet that I can get rid of to make space for the files we made while we were throwing out and all the And then there are stuff. closets where we oh, yes. tend closets. to stuff everything. Oh, yes. Closets, closets, closets. Lots I, of closets. I, I, I have shirts that probably have ripped pockets or stains on them that will never come out, and yet I can't get rid of them. Well, you know, it's New York City. There's textile recycling at a lot of farmer's markets, and you could think that you were doing the right thing, and it would be good. Dottie from Manhattan, you're on the air. Dottie, are you there? Okay. Well, I think Dottie's question was going to be, what do you do about sentimental stuff? Well, I let people keep sentimental stuff, but once they start saying everything is sentimental, I give them a little bit of pushback. I think there's room for sentiment, and I'm a sentimental person, but you can't live in a museum. Uh, Another caller with a similar question. Cynthia from Yonkers? I'm here. Go ahead. Yes, it is connected. It has to do with objects that are kind of piled up in the attic or in the second bedroom or here and there that have to do with my parents who are both gone my sister who died, and a strange family member. And those things have taken on like a life of their own, and it feels like if I throw the objects out, I'm throwing the person out. Mm, that's hard. That's hard, and I, I totally feel for you. Um, those are the hardest things to let go of. Mm-hmm. But it also sounds like maybe it's holding you back a little. So I would encourage you to go through and think about would your parents really want you to feel weighted down by these things? You know, could you save a very small number of them and let some of them go? And are some of them things that, you know, could be useful somewhere else? Or, you know, is there somewhere else that they could go that would give them a second life that doesn't have to be weighing you down? Um, But also, I think sometimes letting go is such a healthy thing, and it feels so good. And the people who love us really don't want us to be weighed down. Thank you for calling We uh, asked our uh, listeners on Twitter for some uh, responses before we uh, started the segment. Uh, Jenny Aaron wrote, As a pro-organizer, I tell my clients to only work on their clutter one hour at a time. Bite-sized chunks offer better results than overkill. I think that's true. One of the smartest things I ever did, which was completely by accident, I started my business when I was pregnant with my older son. And so just scheduling-wise, I decided I'd work in four-hour sessions. And you can do four hours when you're with somebody else because I always make sure it looks better at the end than the beginning. But when you're by yourself, it's, it's sort of an executive function question. You're asking all these questions of yourself, and you can get stuck. So I think when somebody's working alone, one hour is perfect. And don't rush? No, don't rush, but also don't don't let yourself get lost. That's part of the genius of working with an organizer or even a friend is that they move you along and don't let you get trapped in Memoryville. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back with more of today's Please Explain Look at Organizing with Amanda Sullivan, professional organizer who runs a coaching business called The Perfect Daughter and has written a book called Organized Enough, The Anti-Perfectionist Guide to Getting and Staying Organized. It's published by DeCapo Press. Our number, 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at wmyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. And we are back with Amanda Sullivan who's uh, 
who runs a coaching business, The Perfect Daughter, and has written a book called Organized Enough, The Anti-Perfectionist Guide to Getting and Staying Organized. It's published by DeCapo Press. We are talking about being organized on today's Please Explain and inviting your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at wmyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Laura from East Harlem, you're on the air. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, hi. Hi, um, I'm listening to this and I do organize people's apartments and I really love your approach in terms of its practicality and how really it is doable. And one of the things that struck my attention most that you had said was about how not getting things to revert back to the way they were once you've organized someone's space. And the other point you made was how we acquire too many things. And one of the things I tried with someone who acquired some just way too much stuff is once I had organized the space, I pulled all the new things and created like a small shopping area and um, whenever I said, you do not buy anything new, do not buy anything new until you have looked to see if you already have it and created the space for new things or additional things or duplicate things that were still usable that were not going to get donated. And I think that acquiring things is, it, oh, has overwhelmed us. We just are so busy shopping. We don't even look to see if we already have it. Or if somebody else in the family has gone and bought another version of it. Right. 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 Yeah. So it, many, and like you'll have like seven spatulas, and you'll still go out and buy a new one. <laughs> right. I, so a big part you of my book. Never have enough spatulas. Oh right. well, you, I, I don't know about that, but uh, inventory is something I talk about in my book. To think of your home as a business and to have an inventory of everything. How many shirts do you need? How many spatulas do you need? How much shampoo? And a lot of times people won't want to throw things out, and I'll say, okay, so now you're probably good for six to eight months on shampoo. You write that. A few people know how to really look at their homes. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, it's like familiarity breeds contempt. You know, once you you don't see it anymore, it's not. So I talk in my book about inviting somebody over so that you can look with fresh eyes because when somebody who hasn't been to your home before is going to come, all of a sudden you see, oh, that pile of clutter has been sitting there for six months and what is it even and can I throw it out? So we just don't even see sometimes the clutter we have. Amy from Manhattan, you're on the air. Hi. Um... Excuse me, got a cold. Uh, I I can set up systems, but it, uh, I I I guess I don't know how to move things through them. I can put them, them put stuff in them, but I don't know how to um, because I work for a while, and then whatever physical thing I'm using to hold stuff, you know, right. it gets full, and putting stuff on top of it, and uh, right. So you're saying it just, the whole thing gets over overwhelmed. Yeah. Amy, we have a really bad connection, so I'm trying to help you along. It it yeah. sounds it sounds like two things. One, that your system might be overcomplicated. Sometimes people make systems that require too much maintenance. So I say, can you simplify the maintenance, uh, the the system, so that it requires less? Even if it's not as perfect, it might be good enough, and then it might be easier for you to maintain. And the other thing is about habit. Do you have a habit every day to maintain that system? Or are you just doing it once in a while, and that's why it, it falls apart? Do you think that living uh, in a limited space, which is pretty common for many people 
here in New York makes it easier or harder to stay organized? Well, I think it, it makes us more honest. You know, I've been to homes in the suburbs sometimes, and I walk in, and I think, oh, this is great. What's the problem? And then they take me to the garage or the attic, and I think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be here for a year. I used to call my basement Costco Ready. Right, <laughs> My, I've heard of rooms called the you know the third world room and all, you know the I've seen all kinds of names for rooms that are just full of junk, but uh, living in small space does make people think about it and it keeps them from getting too much before they have to ask for help. Tom from Port Monmouth, New Jersey, you're on the air. Hi, how are you doing? Um, so I am 51 and I've been battling this organization thing my whole life and getting better at it. I still have this problem when I organize something. When I clean and things are put away, it just makes me incredibly anxious. It's like if I walk into a hotel room is the best example. I just think like, oh no, this place needs to be messy immediately. I just, I can't take that neatness and I would love to be like that. I would love to have everything away. But I'm wondering, what, what, what is that about? I can't figure it out why I'm like that. My house was neat when I was a kid. Yeah. I made the messes in the house. Interesting. It's really interesting. Uh, people just have therapy, different. <laughs> In fact, one of the te- first headed to the book is "Forgive Yourself," which sounds like a mantra designed for therapy. You know, I just find people are so hard on themselves, and and people say the meanest things about themselves. My clients. And it isn't as though most of my clients are hoarders. They're just normal people who have a little problem with either paper or clothes. But I do think people have different set levels, and I think you know you may have to say. It needs to be organized enough that I can find what I need, but it doesn't have to be perfect because I'm uncomfortable in perfect. And, and say it's okay if I leave my sweatshirt over the back of the chair. I like that. I think it's okay. Then I have every sweatshirt on the back of the chair. Okay, so, so it's, it's extreme. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I, I have seen this where I've helped people you know, really get it better, and then they, they seem more comfortable with an almost nest. Of stuff. Well, this sounds like yeah. almost the opposite of OCD. Right. Yes, I, I love that. I love to lay down in my pile of blankets and sheets and shirts that I had just dried and folded on my bed, and the right. next day they're all a big mess. Right, right. It's very interesting. But I, you know, I wonder what, what you could do if you could say, I'm only going to have the bedding on the bed. I'm going to have a lot of it. It's going to be nest-like, but only the bedding on the bed. You know, make yourself little little challenges and see how it goes. Are there different tactics to use in organizing a kitchen versus a bedroom or a living room? Yeah, well, I think with every room, I try and look at what's the function, you know. And so I like bedrooms to really have very little in them, you know, the clothes and the books that you might read when you're going to bed. But I don't like a lot of stuff in the bedroom. And a kitchen, you know, should be really functional. You should be able to really cook in your kitchen, and it shouldn't be full of old stuff that you don't use anymore. Well, there's also the matter of counter space in many kitchens, and it's nice to have a toaster and a toaster oven and a microwave and whatever else, but after a while, uh, you have to pick and choose. Right. If you use it, then I think it's fair game. It's great. You want it easily accessible. Sometimes people want to put things away that they actually use, and I say, well, that's silly, because if you use it every day, I don't want you to have to bend down into the cabinet. I want it to stay where you can use it, because people sort of have this idea of, oh, I have to have a perfectly clear counter. Well, you do don't, but I want you to have an efficient kitchen. I want to get back to those closets. What are some reasons you found that people have overstuffed closets? They like to shop. They get emotionally attached to their clothes. They think they're going to go back to that size. That piece of <laughs> clothing reminds them of a better time in their life or a different time in their life. All kinds of reasons. 
Is there, and, and some people just use the closet as a, a place to throw stuff. Right. Uh, there is that too. I've they, opened up a closet and found lots of shopping bags on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's very interesting to me because, you know, because I'm so strict with myself and I don't buy much, anytime I get something, when I bring it home, I cut off the tags, I hang it up, I'm very excited. So whenever I see sort of bags that have never been opened, that the stuff is still in them, to me, that means that the shopping doesn't really have to do with need. It has to do with the fun of shopping. Is there a way to incorporate your children into organization? Absolutely. I have a habit with my kids that before the holidays and before their birthdays, we go through their rooms and try and let go of stuff. And even though they don't always let go of as much as they get, the idea that because stuff is coming in, we're going to let go of stuff preemptively, I think is worth instilling in all children. And also, you know, folding their clothes, putting their clothes away. If you don't have too many clothes, it's a realistic expectation. If it's a, you know, project to get their clothes in their drawer, then you have to do it. Let's take another call. Eddie from Coney Island, you're on the air. Hi. Go ahead. Taking my call. I um, My biggest issue is... Um, our, my wife and mine differences in terms of organization. Uh, <clears throat> she's very organized. She has a, a great way of getting everything done on time, having everything ready for this and that, for the kids. Uh, she puts everything away if you walk into the apartment. If um, me and my uh, our kid ha- haven't been home for a few hours, you see nothing. She's hanging out. It's neat. It's almost kind of like an exhibit space. <laughs> and then we come in. And, you know, the shirt goes on the floor, especially our kids. And, you know, the, the shoes go in the corner. Maybe there's a hat somewhere or some potato chips because they're falling out of the kid's pocket. And I, you know, everything's all over the place briefly, but I get yelled at. So um, I, I, I don't have any better strategy than to really pay attention and, and, and uh, really pay attention, especially when she yells at us. <laughs> But do you, do you find that uh, men and women are different when it comes to organization, or uh, because there I know men who are neatness freaks, yeah, uh, and women who are not. But uh, in this case, Eddie's talking about a wife who just likes to keep things neat. Right. I mean, I don't find that it's always one way or the other. That you know, the wife is always the neat one. It's not always like that. Um, and I do joke that I'm you know part part decorator, part marriage counselor. Um, But I think, you know, everybody in a family should be on board. I actually just read a great book about parenting, which I thought had so much overlap with my book um, because it was really talking about letting the kids make the mess and live in the mess. But, of course, then the adult has to tolerate the mess. But we want to raise children that can, you know, grow up and and be functional. So sometimes we have to, you know, sit on our hands. It's called duct tape parenting. And the joke is you're supposed to, you know, duct tape your mouth, duct tape your hands, do things so that you aren't constantly cleaning up because your children are not going to grow up and live in a world where somebody runs around and cleans up after them. And you mentioned earlier all the Legos on on the floor. You can't clean them up every time. No, and and you don't want to because, you know, I mean, honestly, my kids are at that age now where all they want to do is screen. So I wish they were playing with Legos. (laughs) You know, I wish I was stepping on Legos. I wish. Uh, So I think, you know, Legos and all that creative play are great. Potato chips on the rug, not so much. But you want to teach them that, you know, do they want to live like this? So maybe you should, you know, send your wife on a vacation and let the kids (laughs) live in their own mess for a few weeks. And then, you know, maybe they'll learn. But, uh, you know, it's very hard. Everybody has a different different point. I mean, I'm lucky. My husband is neater than I am. But uh, but everybody's different. And is, you have to do you find, find it, it difficult sometimes following your own advice? 
No, I mean, I, I, you know, we try to be organized enough. I, I used to joke that when I was nursing my babies, I'd go crazy because I'd finally get up and get out of the house and go for a walk, and I'd come back, and he'd have cleaned up my whole little world I'd built by the couch, and he'd say, look at what I did, and he'd be so proud of myself. <laughs> I'd say, but I want my water and my phone and everything right here. So uh, you just have to find your set level in, in marriage, but it's hard with kids. You mentioned the science of habits as a way to address organization. Can you talk about that? Well, I think once once you've gotten organized, so if you read the the first half of my book talks about different ways to think because you can't really change till you think differently if you've been stuck in bad habits. So you change the way you think. You've gotten your house organized by following the first half of my book. Now you need to keep it that way. So now you have to really, and you don't have to build every habit in my book, but I suggest seven different habits that if you build them, you can really you know spend 30 days just thinking about buying less but better. You know, don't buy more things, buy fewer things, but better things. A woman who called in said she had a five-year rule. If she hasn't won something in five years, it goes, and she buys something when she gets rid of something else. Right. I think that's good. A lot of people have a one-year rule, which I find a little tricky because not everybody goes to a formal event every year. So if you have a black evening gown and you only wear it every couple of years, but it still fits, why throw it out? Same thing for ski clothes or something. Or that a you tuxedo. Might, or a tuxedo, exactly. But Five years is pretty good because probably if you haven't been skiing in five years, maybe you're not going anymore. Well, I'm still hoping that I'll be invited to another black tie affair. There you go. Yeah, I want you to keep your tux. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I think five years is a good rule. And I also think, you know, once I help people organize their clothes, I say now you only buy when you get rid of something. Another listener says she deals with sentimental things that mean a lot to her by giving them away to someone who might benefit from them. Yes, and also to people who you love. Like I gave, my mother was an Aquarian, she had a Steuben uh, Aquarius bowl, and I gave it to a friend when she got married, because she was also an Aquarian, so, you know, it had that symbol, so it made, was significant to me. You're right that you hate coupons, why? Oh, I mean, right now, the coupons people, all seem to be for hair dye and, uh, yeah, and eye makeup, but they used them, to be. And they clutter up their desks, and they keep them in their wallet, and then they get dog-eared, and then they forget to use them when they want them, and then they feel bad about themselves, so I just say, just don't keep them, and you're going to be buying so much less after you read my book that you're not going to need them. You're going to spend less money anyway. You say that uh, for many of your clients, a common phrase is just in case, which sounds yeah. sensible. Yeah, but it's really just an excuse. You know, when you see somebody very affluent saving an old alarm clock just in case they don't have a job <laughs> when the new one breaks, it's silly. Just let stuff go. Uh huh. So. Get rid of it, and then if you do need a new one, you're just going to have to buy another one? Or, you know, half the time your life has changed. You know, you're using your iPhone, or you're retired and you don't need to get up at 6 a.m. anymore, or whatever it is. So things change. You don't need to save a bunch of stuff just in case. We've been talking about organizing on today's Please Explain with Amanda Sullivan, who's been a professional organizer for nearly 20 years, runs the coaching business The Perfect Daughter, and has written a book called Organized Enough, The Anti-Perfectionist Guide to Getting and Staying Organized. It's published by DeCapo Press. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me.